wait, I've got a beastie on my laptop. Okay, it's gone. That's what happens when it gets hot in Scotland. It's hot in Scotland right now, by the way. It is? Yeah. Toasty. 26 degrees. Everyone's walking about with their top off. It's disgusting. <laughs> All these super white people in Scotland, you know, it's like you have you have sunglasses on, you still your eyes still burn out because everyone's still so white. All right, people, we are back <laughs> after a month of radio silence, uh, which we really apologize for. But we've been busier than one of Bill Lumsden's tasting coats. For those of the of you that are new around here, welcome to what is considered the most informal whiskey podcast on the planet, where the drams go down easier than our chat sometimes. Uh, my name, if you've forgotten, is Mitch Beshard, and the guy sitting in the passenger seat today is Nicholas Polaki. As always, welcome everyone, and hello, my friend. It has been a second. It has indeed, Mitch. Good to see you, mate. Good to see you, and hello, and welcome to all our listeners out there. Yeah, good to be back. It's uh, yeah, it's, can't believe it's been a month, mate. What, Mental, actually. Why has it been a month? Just before we started the record, we were saying we actually only thought it was two weeks. Right, but because we've been so busy between us, like just you've been non-stop, I have been all over, like place to place. I've been in, gosh, where have I been? I've been in Louisville, Kentucky. I've been in uh, Arizona. I've been in Nevada. I've been in Miami, and then I was sick as a dog for a week. Like I get two days where I actually had a couple of days at home, and one, you know, when you stop running as hard yeah. as you as you usually do, and then it all hits you. That's exactly what happened. For two days, I was in my bed, just completely wiped out. And I mean, it was lovely to sleep nonstop for two days. I won't complain. <laughs> what did you have? Some hot toddies, but I didn't. I didn't do any drinking. I did have uh, some ginger and chicken soup, so that was quite nice to kind of ail, you know, take care of the ailments and get me back into the get me back into the drinking way of life. So yeah, I was I was man down, piper doing. For, for for two full days. It's not good, not good. So this is also the, the podcast where we tell you how to get better when you get sick. It is. Not it just is. actually cover all bases. That, on that note, like see, joking aside, I'll tell you what I've been doing recently. I've been making my own little ginger elixir. I swear to God. Mm, <laughs> I've been making like, yeah, grated ginger. I'll, I'll give you the recipe right here, Mitch. See, okay. I'll throw this in for free. So just take a, a, a long lump of ginger. Don't bother trying to take the skin off it. Grate the whole thing. Like finely shredded, a, a small fine grater, like a zester, grate it down, uh, add in a good glug of honey, some water, and some salt, and and then put it in a food processor and blend it. Almost make make it like a smoothie, and then you strain it through a, a, a kind of a tea strainer to get all the all the bark and all the fibers and all that stuff out. And then you can just add it to any drink. You can put it in your cup of tea. You can put it into I've been drinking it with club soda almost nonstop, and it is phenomenal. What about whiskey? Game changer. I've not had it with whiskey yet. I've not actually. I've not done it with a cocktail yet. But my inspiration for it was a cocktail that I had at Wakuda in Las Vegas, where they were they made their own ginger spice syrup. They used uh, yuzu koshu, which is um, a, a Japanese kind of citrus fruit, and then they use this kind of a kind of spiciness to it as well. And uh, they did a grain, a shibui grain select cocktail with it, and it was absolutely fun. It, hands, you know, I don't really drink cocktails. Yeah, I had about three. I think I had three of them, like back to back. They were fantastic. And then well, I kind of went, oh, that'll be. Nice. I, uh, I wasn't pushed, but I was 
happy. <laughs> happy to be there. What, what was it we called it? Um, excessive brand loyalty? Correct. <laughs> no such thing as everything in moderation, including moderation. So. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to find that guy called moderation that they tell me to drink with. <laughs> what about yourself? What have you been up to? Mate, fucking loads. It's been nuts. Um, what I've been up to, I, you know, before we started this, I knew you were going to ask that question. So I had to actually look back and see what I've been up to over the last month. Went to Amsterdam. That was fun. Good for Duma. Really? Yeah. <laughs> was that Dutch for you? Was that your Dutch? What, what does that uh, mean? Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to all our Dutch listeners. <laughs> I, went I think that's what it means. Who knows? So, uh, so Joe, my wife had never been to Amsterdam before, so I took her over there, and um, it was funny because you know we did we were just cycling about as you do, kind of going and seeing the sights, and then I was like, all right, one of the things we have to do is go and smoke a joint in the coffee shops, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I walked up, and it was kind of pretty late at night. It was about eleven o'clock, and I go up to the guy, and I'm like, right, dude, look, I I don't ever smoke weed. As I like, just give me a pre-roll joint. I want something like super chilled. Uh, just really mellow. And he said, like, oh yeah, this is the one that I do like, you know, during the day. This is this is a really easy one. I'm like, all right, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. So we spark it up and we both have have a couple of draws on it and, you know, sitting there with this joint in a coffee shop in Amsterdam. I'm like, this is cool. And then five minutes later, I was so wasted. I just, I'm like, I can't do that. I was, <laughs> we, had, we had to get the train because we were staying a little bit outside of the city. We had to get the metro back, right? <laughs> And I sit on the metro, not a word of a lie. And it's all these these uh, ladies from London, you know, they're like, oh, I gaze on, oh, that was a great night out, and giving it all that. I, I was I was on the verge of like having a total whitey, right? I just shut my eyes. Oh, man. And for some reason, I just, it was like EastEnders in my head. There was a whole scene played out in the pub and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, when I opened my eyes, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing on a train? It was insane. Um, yeah, so that's it. I'm done with weed. I'm never smoking that again. Um, well, so, oh, when, sir? Oh, just, yeah. just to be clear, I don't know if you saw this in the news. Do you know Amsterdam just, just put out a release saying we don't want any more tourists from Britain coming over here? <laughs> I did see that. And then your face is exhibit A. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. But yeah, no, I, I love Amsterdam, though. It was, it's such a cool city. Just uh, Beautiful. It's a great city. Yes, that was fun. Uh, I went surfing in Speyside. That was cool. So uh, there's a company up there, um, Blue Coast Paddle, a guy, guy called Adam that runs it, uh, took took some surfboards out for the day, and, and we just went surfing up there. Water was really warm, actually, so it was kind of cool. So going to add that there into the things to do for, for Copper Cairn. So anyone coming up to visit, you're, you're getting a wetsuit on. We're going to take you surfing. But yeah, I just did right now, like we were chatting just before we recorded this, I'm exhausted right now because I've just done a massive six-day trip with uh, a family from Texas. There was 10 of them. We did everything. We did. Uh, we started in Edinburgh. We went over to, well, we went up to Speyside. We went to um, went to Sky. Uh, we went all the way down to Loch Lomond, your neck of the woods. Uh, we did Inverness. We did Fort William. So amazing, amazing trip. So shout out to the, the Perryman family. It was five brothers uh, and their, their wives, and we had a blast, man. Such such great people. So I uh, literally just just dropped them off in Glasgow uh, about three hours ago. So I'm oh, coming off the back of that and just exhausted, just done in. So is this your 
Is this you telling people this up front so they know not to expect much from this episode? <laughs> Man, I'm managing <laughs> everyone's <your> expectations. expectations. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> exactly. Dial it back. Dial it yeah. back. Yeah. Well, well, we've got a lot of news to get through because we've not been obviously on air for for the last kind of month. Uh, really, kind of some pretty cool stuff going on, uh, and some obviously some not so cool stuff going on. But we'll touch on all of it. First mm. up, um, P Diddy. Does he still go by Diddy? Sean Diddy Combs uh, has basically won the first uh, round against Diageo in his lawsuit, where Diageo basically filed a motion to dismiss the lawsuit brought forward by the the, the rapper based over kind of alleged uh, racial discrimination. And the the judge, uh, Joel Cohen, on September 7th basically said, nope, we're going to do some broad discovery. And, and uh, uncovering all the evidence has said there's there's enough for this to continue to to discovery and potentially into trial so not great news for Diageo who tried to end the action as quickly as possible uh, but the judge basically rejected it at all at all counts and this is a is I mean the, the, obviously Diageo severed the ties with the rapper uh, could do you know this this relationship was 15 years so it's not it's, like it was like a you know a, 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 like a firestorm just waiting to happen this was you know 15 years of a, of a business relationship and and obviously kind of came to pass, but like we've talked about before, match like there's, there's some things that would be interesting to see what comes out of the woodwork on this one. But for me, anything to do with celebrities, celebrities have the timelines, and eventually people will move on to other celebrities and and do other things. Everybody's got their peak, right? Fifteen mm-hmm. minutes of fame. So when you're no longer in your peak of fame, um, you know maybe it's maybe there's some some natural things going on there where the just you know the, the depletion of volume and velocity doesn't doesn't add up, but for all intents and purposes, I think it'll be interesting to see what plays out. Obviously, we can't make any judgments right now. We don't know the ins and outs of it all. But guess they're going to need to look at the accusations and determine whether or not they're false. Or You asked or him to true. come on the show for a comment, right? What did he say? That? I did. And he did get back to me and he said, go fuck yourself. So that was <laughs> nice of him. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, off the celebrity stuff, something a little bit closer to home in Scotland. Um, kind of cool thing. So, I went over to Lewis uh, about, it was two years ago, two years ago last summer with the Larkfire boys. And it was a great trip. But one of the things we did was we went to the Harris distillery uh, over down in, down in Harris, obviously, for those that are kind of know their geography of, of Scotland, you'll know Lewis and Harris are attached. You just literally drive down there. Uh, and we had a, an amazing tour. We got to try some of the new make. We didn't get to try any of the, 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 um, the aged liquid that they've been aging for a while but we did get to try some of the new make and i was just blown away with that distillery i thought it was it was such a cool spot they've put a lot of time effort and thought into how that whole visitor experience looks uh you know and they've been producing gin for a long time harris gin's been out for a while and it's been going amazingly well but there's always been this question as to when they're going to release their first whiskey and bear in mind that the distillery opened its doors on the 24th of September, 2015. So as we record this, we're talking about eight years ago, sort of almost to the day within a couple of couple of weeks right now. Uh, but they've just released big kind of news that they are going to be uh, revealing their new whiskey very shortly. So they're going to do an online event on Friday, the 22nd of September. And the first seven batches will be able to be purchased 
uh, on Saturday, 23rd of September. So that's 2023, obviously. Um, so that's kind of exciting, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this coming out. And it'll be interesting to know why they've taken so long to release this this whiskey out into the market. Uh, but I know it's going to be a, a highly anticipated one. We're just coming off the back of uh, the uh, new release coming from Ballandalic. I managed to get hold of a couple of bottles of them. Uh, and I just saw okay, the okay. other day that um, <laughs> our friends over at Holyrood in Edinburgh are about to release their first whiskey as well. So it's interesting in that these all these these new craft distilleries that have been around for quite a while, sort of new old craft distilleries, are are literally bringing out all their new releases uh, within the next sort of couple of months or so. So, so oh, that's yeah. that's great to see, but I'm super excited about the Harris one. So I don't know anyone from Harris yet, but uh, I need to get hold of someone and uh, and and speak to them about getting us a, a wee sample, mate. Our pals in Finland, Mitch, at Kura Distillery and Mika over there have released four new whiskies from their core range, which is pretty cool. Uh, a quartet of whiskies, which are made from 100% finished rye and include Kura Malt, Kura Wood Smoke, Kura Oloroso, and core of peat smoke. So four absolutely baller whiskies. Mika is going on to obviously talk about this and, and saying, you know, uh, they've been making malt since they launched in 2020. But now it's, it's, you know, they're getting to kind of play around with cask finishing and, and some other really fun stuff. And this has allowed them to really showcase what these products are, are capable of doing. The malt's double distilled and aged in new American oak whiskey cask for at least three years. Uh, white oak American cask, obviously, and then it's bottled at forty-seven point two percent ABV. It retails for forty-nine pounds and ninety-five cents, or sixty-two US dollars. Uh, there, the wood smoke is being made up. It's basically alder smoked, uh, which is an old northern tradition in Finland in a hundred-year-old barn. Again, bottled at forty-seven point two percent ABV and retailing a little bit higher at fifty-nine pounds and ninety-five pence which is 75 us dollars and then there are other two new releases other other also from 100 percent uh finished uh whole grain rye it's a uh, triple cask finished in spanish oloroso sherry new american oak and ex-bourbon barrels again 47.2 percent abv i wonder why i'd like to understand where that abv came from i'm sure it's where the liquid delivers the best possible flavor but maybe mm. there's a little hidden story behind that as well it's quite a specific abv uh, and priced at fifty four ninety five or sixty nine of your US dollar bucks, so it's pretty cool. Then the last one is a peat smoke, which was created with Finnish freshwater peat, and this involves uh, peat smoking the full grain rye in a bar for twenty four hours. Uh, it's vatted together using uh, mainly the, the the peat smoke, New American oak, and ex bourbon barrels. Again, forty seven point two that magic number for them ninety. Uh, 59.95 and pounds 75 us dollars so pretty cool stuff we mm. good to i'm sure you'll be getting or asking for some of their samples there much right <laughs> well mika's a good friend of the show now you know so he's uh, a good yeah. friend of the show yeah. he's a good friend of the show yeah exactly yeah if you guys and haven't listened to anyone listening who hasn't listened to that episode we did with him really interesting guy um so you know kura which we know how to pronounce now because he was on the show. But uh, if you guys are wondering what we're talking about with Kura, it's K-Y-R-O. So it looks like, well, I don't know what it looks, Cairo. Yeah, I suppose it looks like Cairo instead of Kura. But obviously being Finnish, that's the way they pronounce it. Maybe it's because they went to finishing school. They know how to speak properly. Oh, oh. that's genius. Yeah. 
That's oh, so that was genius. They've had a month off, so they've been like, Jesus, here we go. He's back in the saddle. <laughs> right, moving back over to Scotland, uh, we've got the one-of-one uh, auction coming up soon. Now, we've chatted about this before on the show. We've had Jonathan Driver on the show actually talking about it. Uh, our good friend Daz is coming on it very shortly. We've got a date lined up with him to talk about this Bowmore that they're putting in. So we've seen a couple, couple of releases, a couple of sneak peeks uh, with regards to what's happening. And one of them is this uh, Bowmore Onyx 51, sorry, 55-year-old. The, 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 the Onyx was the, the one last year. The Bowmore Stack is the 55-year-old that they're bringing out for this year's auction. Uh, so this is a 1.5-litre bottle of Bowmore that they've produced. And the, the I don't know if you guys have seen the bottle. Um, it's absolutely stunning. It's pretty much all in black, yeah, yeah. apart from a small part of it at the top, which is glass. Uh, it looks absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, like I say, we're going to get Daz on this to chat about it more. But I want to read out this quote from Daz because he says, Bowmore Stack is a significant milestone in showcasing the ex exceptional age spirit we have crafted at Bowmore and a truly proud moment for us all. Daz, who wrote that for you? Because I know it wasn't you. <laughs> We've listened to these episodes and the man is chewing his way through every sentence he's ever said. There's absolutely no way he was that articulate. I mean, he can't even write. So, you know, I, I, he obviously pays someone to do that now. But, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's great to see Daz getting a wee, a wee shout out with regards to this, him being the, the global private client director and all now. But we're going to get him on the show shortly to talk about this. The other sneak peek that we've had from the one of one right now as we as we release this is a Brora 50-year-old, which looks absolutely insane. Uh, and also our good friend, uh, Deval Gandhi, has tied in his new uh, whiskey company with the release of uh, One of One, and he's created a, a bottle for it. So Deval, uh, we haven't had him on the show yet, but I know him very, very well. And Deval used to be the uh, master blender over at McAllen. And then he really put his stamp on everything with regards to what he did at the Lakes Distillery. Uh, so... Daval's created this this amazing looking bottle. And again, we're going to get him on very, very shortly. I've got a date with him in a couple of weeks to chat about all this. But his whole concept of his new brand that he's released, releasing, which is called uh, Candle, Blanc, Candle Blanc, I think it's called. I've probably butchered that. I'm sure he's going to correct me when I come on. But it's all based on the whole concept of duality. And uh, it's a fusion of ideas, cultures, and creative influences. And with this first bottle that he's released for one of one, it's two very old casks that he's blended together. Uh, and it's going to be called uh, Aga, which is named after his son. So very interesting to see that. And the bottle looks, have you seen the bottle for this, Nicholas? It looks absolutely stunning. I have not yet, but I imagine I'm looking up as we speak. It looks phenomenal. It's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like I was like, look at that. That's stunning. Duval, just a genius at what he does. He, he knows so much about not just blending, but also production and everything that he's done, both with McAllen and the Lakes. So really excited to see him get this off the ground. And, and it'll be great to get him on the show and chat through exactly what he's uh, he's been doing here and correct my pronunciation of his, of his new brand. The, this is the season for new releases where Brooke Laddie distillery has just unveiled the Octomore 14. And they have come in, in groups of threes 
as, as things tend to do, Mitch. So yes. 14.1, 14.2, and 14.3 are said, said to push the boundaries of whiskey mating, making in pursuit of exceptional flavour. Easy for me to say, after <laughs> just butchering my way through a sentence and ripping Daz <laughs> earlier. I'm sure we're hearing all about that. Anyway, we'll leave it in for authenticity. We won't do a retake. I'm like Daz on every episode. So we'll leave it in there. <laughs> I'm only teasing, Daz. Only teasing. Uh, so head distiller Adam Hannett said that basically everything that they're doing at Brookladdy Distillery right now is about exploring the fundamentals of whiskey making. And that really has a lot of, of, of influence. They, they talk specifically about terroir and experimenting with different variety of casks. I know that even the other people that we've had on the show sometimes have a little bit of, of difficulty kind of getting their head around terroir with Scotch whiskies, And, and there's, I guess there's arguments to be said on both, on both sides of this, but with regards to, to Brooklady here, what they're doing with Octomore, they're using 100% Scottish barley, malted to 128.9 parts per million phenol content. That is bonkers. That's, that's uh, what I like to call a lie down in a dark room after it, A, because it's going to be a high ABV, but B, because you're going to be absolutely stinking and no one else wants to be around you. <laughs> kind of like you after your trip to Amsterdam, <laughs> lying down in the dark room, trying to make the world from stop spinning underneath your feet. <laughs> so all of these are bottled at uh, 59.6 uh, ABV uh, for the, for the, uh, for 14.1 so sorry i'm going to break this up a little bit so 14.1 is bottled at 59.6 percent abv and basically notes of vanilla sweet caramel and hints of citrus underneath all of that signature peat smoke it'll be priced at 140 bucks 140 quid so 176 dollars sorry uh, and like 14.1 14.2 is also distilled from 100 scottish barley malted to the exact same 128.9 parts per million Phenol content. However, 14.2 has been matured in a combination of Oloroso Sherry and Amarone wine casks. You ever you ever had Amarone wine, Mitch? Did you think Amarone signed for Rangers last year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have actually. Well, did he though? How much, how much did he get? I don't know, but they'd be as well having him up front with the way they're playing at the moment. So, <laughs> one a tick. Oh. Right, Octomar, uh, they're uh, 14.2, uh, like I just said, is is going into Sherry and Amarone casks. And then uh, that's actually bottled at 57.7% ABV and retails at £155 uh, or $195. And then kind of rounding out the collection, you've got Octomore 14. Three, which is basically about the, the, the consideration of terroir and whiskey making, having been distilled using only locally grown barley to explore that influence on the final flavour. It's been matured in bourbon casks and second fill wine casks and then malted to a heavyweight 214.2 parts per million. Bonkers. That's so great. if you had to lie down in the dark room for the last couple, then this is this is a night out. Uh, priced at £195 or $245, it's bottled at 61.4% ABV. It delivers aromas of hot, sweet mash with the barley-forward single malt complemented with notes of sweet vanilla, toffee, and delicate, earthy smoke. Uh, pretty cool. Like, this is pretty cool. If you're a, if you're a peat head, this is, this is worth kind of trying to hunt down. Uh, the packaging is that kind of beautiful, the, the two of the three and that kind of beautiful black bottling. Uh, and then the third, the 14.3, is this kind of uh, frosted glass. It's really, really well done, really elegant, but just 
killer. If that's your cup of tea, then uh, if you like a big smoke monster, then that's that's definitely going to be a real treat for you moving into the holiday. So hopefully you've got something nice in your life that can pick up a bottle for you. Or like Mitch, just go right on the rag and ask for it for free. Yeah, funny you should say that because I actually messaged Abby today. Of course you did. Their global ambassador. <laughs> not to get them on the show, not for not for a sample. So because uh-huh. we haven't had her on the show before. I want to get her on the show. So want to get she's their, their global ambassador, like I said. So but I think this is a it's a really inter- interesting one for, for Brickladdy and that they're still talking about the whole whole terroir when it comes to barley. So I'd like to get her on the show to chat about that. Uh, and see how that conversation is is going there. But yeah, I mean, Octomores, I remember doing, a, a, when I was with Diageo, it was a whiskey festival and there was wine guys there as well. So it was a wine and whiskey festival. But I remember the guys pulling the, the cork off the bottle of Octomore and the wine guys right next door were just like, can you put the cork back on that, please? Like we just can't nose anything with regards to our wines here. So it's just, it's <laughs> such a big hit. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, moving back over to your neck of the woods, Nicholas, uh, big news in the mm-hmm. Kentucky Owl names named their new uh, distillery, well, sorry, master blender, Maureen Robertson. Now, Maureen's been with Diageo for 45 years, uh, putting together the likes of Johnny Walker and Singleton. So I was really surprised to see Maureen take on this position and, and great for her. Uh, uh, you know, again, talking about women in whiskey, she's been pivotal when it's when it's been one of those those positions within within Scotch whiskey for a long time, um, but yeah, kind of cool to see her gonna go going over there. I'd be interested to know if she's gonna do that position from Scotland or if she's gonna move over to the US. Uh, not much more information on it right now apart from that. But well done, Maureen, and uh, you know it's it's the first time the brand has had a, a female master blender, so pretty cool to see that. Mitch, going back to one of my favourite subjects of all time, celebrity brands. Oh, <laughs> celebrity Have you brands. seen this little cracker? Uh, Rod Stewart has launched uh, his own whiskey brand, blended Scotch whiskey, named Wolfie's. Uh, so he's partnered up with. Uh, actually, I don't know if you know. Do you know Duncan Frew? I don't he's know. CEO. I don't know him either. So uh, that's that's really bad. One of us probably Google Google this guy up. He's apparently been in the business for twenty plus years. Uh, I, I I just don't know who he is. But this this was born of a conversation where obviously Rod Stewart's famously like tied back to Scotland. His dad was from, from Leith uh, in, in Edinburgh. And, you know, he spent a lot of time, He's a, like myself, he's a Celtic fan. So he's been, uh, spent a lot of time kind of going up and down in, in out of Scotland, seeing, seeing football games. And and that's, this is where he bumped into Duncan through. And after a few drinks was like, Hey, we should, we should, we should make a blended escape together. Uh, now, Here's here's the good news. Like, all for it. Fill you about. See if you're a see if you're a celebrity and you're into whiskey. I'm all about it. Like, cool, no problem at all. But be into whiskey. The problem here is that Rod Stewart isn't into whiskey, and basically, it's like I love an apple teeny. I don't really drink. This one's brilliant. I'm a whiskey drinker. So he gave an interview to Forbes magazine where he said, "Ah, I'm not really a whiskey fan. I made myself sick from it when I was 15 years old. I find it really hard to drink. But this one's okay. It's kind of special." <laughs> like that's that's a great sales pitch here? there. Well done, Rod. I yeah, tell like, you what, I, I still prefer to drink my. I prefer to drink mine as a martini. And then he says, "My favorite cocktail is really an apple teeny." So cool. Like you don't like that's like going to Starbucks and saying I really love coffee and asking for a you know a non-fat, non-whipped vanilla latte, extra vanilla juice. You know, put some whipped cream on top. You don't like coffee. You like ice cream. 
This is the same thing. <laughs> if you're drinking your whiskey in an apple teeny, you don't like it. You don't really like whiskey. You don't really like sweet cocktails. Uh, but bang for the- buck, just... Dude, I mean, here's the thing, right? A whiskey apple teeny, does that exist anyway? Is it, I mean, is he talking about like he just drinks apple teenies and he doesn't even drink any whiskey? Well, I don't know. Like, because he then goes on to say, like, he can't drink whiskey martinis before a show because it's not good for the voice, right? So there's plenty of things that you shouldn't do. Like, you shouldn't have ice in your drinks and all that if you're about to go and sing. So on the day of a show, when you hear this, he 100% doesn't speak. He walks around wearing like a pass, like a lanyard around his neck that says, I can't speak, like doctor's orders. I'm like, cool. She'd also not give interviews to magazines about your brand when you tell them that you don't drink whiskey. That should be when you don't speak, not when you're about to give a concert. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's it's a good giggle. Like, to be fair, it's worth a, worth a look up. It's a great interview. He seems like a really fun dude. Like, that's what I'd say. And his attitude to it is like, look, we're not trying to be serious here. It's a $45 bottle. Uh but just like, I mean, the the drink recipes of, of Rod Stewart's favorite apple teeny is actually on the perfect serve. Uh, oh. So you can you can you can jump on. I'm not oh, I, You can jump on. You can take a look at it. Right, uh, Rod. Get get on the podcast here. We, we let's can, get Rod Stewart. I would love to have Rod Stewart come on and talk, talk to us about an apple teeny. Like it's if if twi- if you've got is almost as much apple schnapps in your cocktail as your own whiskey. I'm like ooh. That's, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. That's I mean, I did one. I did see that he'd released this whiskey, but I think this is the first time that he's actually talked about it. So I think we mentioned yeah. it on the show a while back. Um, but that that's pretty funny that he actually mentioned that an apple teeny. Goodness sake. To be fair, he wears it well. Yeah. What, the apple teeny or? I don't know. You're not a Rod Stewart fan, are you? <laughs> oh, is that a joke? Early Rod Stewart, yeah. Okay. Come on, dude. Can can we get the sound effect guy to put some tumbleweed in here? Who's the sound effect guy? <laughs> that, that that'll be you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving out, away from bad Rod Stewart jokes, um, onto back into Scotland, and uh, we've kind of mentioned this as well before, but we've got a new distillery that is now being given planning permission down in Campbelltown. So this is really interesting because this is the Witchburn Distillery. Uh, Brave New Spirits are doing this, and they've been given planning permission from Argyll and Butte Council, which is great to see. And they're going to build this distillery on the former RAF base at Macrahanish, uh, down in Campbelltown. It's literally between Campbelltown and Macrahanish Village. So cool thing, a couple of cool things about this distillery that are going to do. Um, it's going to be net zero with regards to their production. They're going to produce around about two million liters of alcohol per day, uh, per, per day per year. They're saying, uh, and they might expand. They're going to have the, the potential to expand that out to four million in the future. But powered by a hundred percent renewable green uh, energy sources, the latest heat and energy recovery system. Uh, making Witchburn one of the most environmentally friendly distilleries in Scotland, apparently. So really exciting stuff with regards to that. Good luck, guys. Uh, looking forward to another excuse to go down to Campbelltown. Uh, you know, I think after when we've got this up and running, we're looking at now five distilleries that we're going to have down in Campbelltown, which is a far cry from the, the 30-odd that we used to have down there. But it's great to see 
that area getting rejuvenated again when it comes to whiskey and, and distilleries. So exciting times ahead there. Looking for we need to do that, mate. We, you know, me and Daz went down there. We can uh, we can redo that, tra- retrace our steps, you and I, next time you're over. And uh, we'll go down there, check it all speaking out. Of, speaking of renewable, uh the obviously the guys at Pernal Ricard who we've talked about this, I think, in one of the last episodes in the news where they were, you know, they created this way to create carbon neutral distillation and then put the basically the, the plan of how it was all done mm. up for anybody that wanted to carbon copy, recreate it, pun intended. Mm. Um, they've <laughs> now pledged $60 million to hit net zero across all of the Shivers Brothers operations by 2026. This is phenomenal. And what's really great about it is that they're really focusing on, you know, um, actually reducing their footprint rather than just buying carbon credits and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're carbon neutral. Whatever. This is really taking massive leaps and bounds right across their, their portfolio. So we'll salute Shivers Regal and Ballantines as well as the Glenlivet. Uh, we'll all benefit from this. And it's just really, I think this is, I think this is phenomenal. I think that now this information's out there, the companies do not have an excuse. Like you should be looking at this. This is stuff that is not yeah, just good for the environment. It's good for your business. It drives volume and, uh, sorry, it drives uh, profit into your business by by reducing the, the cost of operations. And it's just really smart. Like it's just a really smart way to look at, at, at producing Scotch whiskey. And this is a three-year plan, right? I mean, they're talking about 2026 when this is going to come into play. So it's because of the success, this is a full acceleration. So exactly like you said, just to really cut its energy and carbon footprint by installing electric boilers predominantly and implementing this heat recovery technology that they have put out there for everybody to look at. These sustainability initiatives are really, I think, really uh, fundamental to to new distilleries and, 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 and and how we look at becoming better, and um, not just as a as an industry, but better as a as a group of people that want to, especially a country like Scotland that's got such beauty in it and such amazing nature and the things around it. Like if we can do things to kind of preserve uh, how we build and how we how we you know lead on carbon emissions and uh, and car- sorry carbon emission reduction, then I think that's a really positive thing for Scotland. Well, I mean, here's the thing, right? We're we're sitting at 2023 as we record this. By 2030, every distillery needs to be carbon neutral on their production. So they've only really got seven years. So it's great to see Perno like stepping up that in a big way. Um, and I think it's 2050, uh, the whole whiskey industry needs to be carbon neutral. So that's with regards to transportation, bottling, everything else that goes with it, packaging, obviously. Uh, so So, you know, that's a that's a big goal right there for the whole Scottish whiskey industry to 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 have, yep. but very ambitious. Uh, I'm pretty confident going around distilleries here and seeing what people are doing. I'm pretty confident we're going to hit that by by 2030, and then obviously by 2050 I'll be dead. So you know, don't really care. If you're lucky, 2050, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but keep keeping on this uh, whole theme of being carbon neutral. Um, Our friends over at Young Spirits, who we've had on the show, uh, we think we had them on the show. We had Alex Harrison on the show back in October. Uh, They've just gone carbon neutral with regards to their whole bottling plant and operation there. So these guys are based out of Edinburgh. And, uh, you know, they've got a warehouse that is, um, I think it's 30,000 square feet, Alex said uh, in in the podcast. Uh, you know, they've got the whole bottling label labeling facilities and they're completely carbon neutral. So 
well done, guys. Congratulations. Proud of you boys. Uh, you know, being an Edinburgh company or a Scottish company, that is great to see. So a lot of positive things there going on when it comes to the the sort of environmental aspect of Scotch whiskey. 100%. Speaking of uh, things that are going to improve, uh, I guess, the overall well-being of anybody in Scotch whiskey, specifically in cask investment, oh. which Mitch and I both have very strong views on. Yeah. Uh, this is ball- this is baller. I'm delighted to see this. So the UK's advertising watchdog, the ASA, have gone up against basically these misleading cask investment ads and and taken and basically taken a couple of these big boys to to task. So whiskey investment partners, we're going to name and shame them, London Cask Company, both investigated by the ASA, so the Advertising Standards Authority after it received complaints over whether the investment return claims that they were making were misleading, which they were, because you can't guarantee anything with an investment. So to say that you're getting returns of up to 12% per year uh, was just complete and utter nonsense uh, from whiskey investment partners. And thankfully, they were they were kind of wrapped over the knuckles for it. Uh, mm-hmm. More importantly, like regardless of the, 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 the what people say that you can and can't get, how much money you think you can and can't make in this process, the reality of this is unless you know where these barrels are coming from and unless you actually know how to to, to understand what you're buying into, which is basically a barrel, barrel aging dis, uh, spirit, what are you going to do with that? Mitch and I have spoken about this before. The investment side of, of whiskies and where the value of a whiskey investment truly lies is amazing brands that have spent years cultivating uh, consumers that really want to get their hands on those rare expressions of those rare whiskies, not barrels of liquid that maybe they distilled but haven't had any hand in basically saying this is this is something that we would call X, Y, and Z brand, and now you've got a barrel of it. So mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, I think that these 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 cask investment companies and and and, and everybody else who's in this game, you know, this is good to see. Like this needs to be. Yeah. Be locked down. Similarly, you know, there's the, the the London Cast Company were referring to 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 saying that they could they could basically give you an average of thirteen percent per year uh, return on your investment, plus a whole load of other inflated numbers that Nike Frank uh, Wealth Report apparently would would back up. But that you know, the, a lot of these things pulling pulling from different data sources, whether it's you know Rare Whiskey One Hundred One that tracks auction prices of of the rare bottles, but not of random barrels. Like they're yeah. tracking, they're tracking bottles of what we're talking about, like rare limited edition. There's only five bottles left in the world. That's what drives ROI on the return on investment, not just that brand did well. Therefore, here's a barrel of it because we've figured it out. Um. So yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on this, Mitch? This is a bug. This has been a bugbear of yours, I know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good to see. I'm I'm glad to see this happening, and I'm sure this is going to open the floodgates, like you say, for all these other companies out there. Uh, and, and good riddance to that. I, I think this is a, a very positive step forward. Uh, you know, and one of the things that we haven't covered in in the news here, and we'll, we'll probably leave this for the next episode, and it'd be good to get Andy from Rare 101 on to, to discuss 100%. this. But, you know, we're talking about the the, the value the, the with regards to the secondary market right now. It's it's decreased for the first time, I think, in about 10 years. Yeah. Um, one of the big ones being McAllen drop, dropping by 12% which is huge. So, you know, that doesn't bode well for anything like this. Good times, mate. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of news. That's a whole episode pretty much on the news because we haven't been chatting whiskey for a month. There's a lot going on. 
mostly positive there. Uh, I think all positive, actually. There's no negatives going on right now. I want to say as well, there's been a load of people, a load of brands <laughs> who have sent me some whiskey. Uh, next episode, I'm going to get into some of them and chat chat about them on the next episode. Thank you so much for sending them through to me. I just literally haven't been at home. I haven't been <laughs> sipping on that much whiskey recently. I, I have not had the time to go through it all. So we need to uh, need to get into some of them and chat about them on the show as well. What's up? What's up next, yeah. Nicholas? What are we doing next? Oh, I think we're going to get some guests on, and then we need to plan because you, my friend, are coming out to New York City. So we're going to have yeah. our live show, which yeah. we're still kind of putting the finishing touches on at the, as we speak. We'll let you guys know a little bit about that, probably for next week, to be honest with you, because that'll give you enough time to. For those of you that want to come along, we're going to literally do it as like it's a very intimate space. We're not going to ticket it. It's going to be almost like put your hand up, come and speak to us, send us a note on Instagram. Let us know if you're in New York City and you want to come along and see the show. And, you know, basically first come, first serve. We're going to keep it really small, really intimate and do some really fun stuff live. So I'm excited for Mitch to be out here. All right, guys. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh, Great to have you listening. Nicholas, a pleasure as always. Let's not leave it a month for the next episode this time. Great to see you again, my friend. Great to be back with our listeners and chatting and putting out another episode. And until the next time, bye.